And that's what I, I feel about the mic. When I get on stage, this crowd has never heard me before. There's somebody in this crowd that when they leave here, they may think it's all over. There's somebody sitting here that said, you know what? I'm going to listen to this guy. But after this, I'm about to go end it all. I have no reason to live. And so every time I get on the stage, I'm thinking about that, whether it's one person in the audience or whether there's 10,000 people in the audience, they may have never heard Dr. Will. And it's my assignment. God has sent me here, placed me here, given me the opportunity to be in front of them to give them a life transplant. And this has happened so many times that once I get finished speaking, I come down and people tell me, man, I was at my wit's end. I was getting ready to give up, but you gave me hope. You gave me faith. You gave me a reason to keep going. I have people that listened to me 10, 15 years ago that come up to me and say, I heard you. I had a, I had a lady, let me share this story. I had a lady, I spoke for her company. Four years later, I'm doing a commencement speech. The lady comes to me after the commencement speech. She was one of the graduates. She comes up to me. She's like, you're not going to remember me, but you spoke at our company four years ago. And you told us we had the power of choice that we weren't stuck. And she says, at that time, you were, you were talking to a mother of five, a single mother of five. But you convinced me that I wasn't just a single mother of five. You convinced me that I could be more, do more, and become more. She says, I just graduated today, and I want you to meet my seven children, and they have a better mom because of that message that you presented at my company four years ago. Uh, I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons, yeah. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons, yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. But David E. Simons. Welcome to another episode of How I Discovered My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. I'm honored and delighted and my excited is excited to have this brother, Dr. Will Moreland, on the show today. Let me tell you about Dr. Will Moreland. Um, he is a world civility ambassador and an internationally recognized authority in the areas of inclusion, diversity, and bias. He has been awarded Diversity Leader of the Year and named a top 30 thought leader his award-winning diversity program is used around the world by schools, organizations, and governments. Additionally, he serves on several boards to share his expertise on diversity, inclusion, and bias in the workplace. Diversity, inclusion, and, um, and disrupting bias is a passion for Dr. Will. He partners with clients to help them leverage their diversity of thought to impact employee talent engagement and retention, attracting and retaining clients, commun community, and corporate relations. His powerful yet down-to-earth style inspires virtual and in-person audiences uh, to take personal and organizational actions that disrupt bias and accelerate bottom-line business results. Dr. Will served in the United States Army, thank you for serving, sir, and, and saw two tours of duty. He was honorably discharged in 2003. He has lived in five different countries, which gives him a unique perspective on honoring and respecting different cultures. His 
present he's presented to audiences in over 50 countries and six continents that's major including such places as dubai ghana you know my country in italy india nigeria and angula i always mess that up how <laughs> to say that one saint martin and mexico he's the best-selling author of over 50 books good lord some people are still trying to get one and you got 50 good lord in 2014 he was named best inspirational speaker in america in 2015 he was named a top motivational speaker and diversity leader of the year in 2017 he was named business person of the year in 2018 he was named veteran business person of the year welcome to the show dr moreland my man david i am so excited about being here man thank you so much for what you're doing and the work that you're doing and providing this platform for individuals like me to come and share. So, man, I'm super excited to get down with you today. Awesome, sir. Awesome. So, so Dr. Will, wow. Um, we were kind of talking a little bit before we started here. Uh, you know, you have just a, a wide variety of backgrounds. So take, take me, I want, I want you to take me to a young, young, before the doctor, young, young Will, young Will, Where'd you grow up? How did you get into this journey? And, and take us through that. Yeah, so I tell people as I, I continue to do these interviews, you know, the older I get, the longer the story gets. So I'll try to make it real short. So I was raised in this city called Compton. And I don't know if your listeners are familiar with Compton, but when I grew up there, Compton was said to literally be the worst city in America. But I tell people for me, Compton was a tale of two cities. So inside of my home, I lived with my grandmother and my single mom. And inside the house, I was getting structure. I was getting love. I was getting, you know, uh, the type of individual you should be, the type of man you wanted to be. But then when I stepped outside the door, actually, I was surrounded by gangs and drug dealers and hev heavily influenced by um you know, some wrong activities. And so unfortunately I did find myself on the wrong side um, of the tracks, ended up getting into a lot of trouble. And uh, eventually uh, the turning point for me, the initial turning point for me was I was 18 years old. I had just got kicked out of uh, college. I went to college on a scholarship, but I wasn't going to school. So I got uh, academic, uh, put on academic probation. And so I was back home and I was getting in trouble and I ended up getting arrested. And um, I got in front of the judge and the judge looked at me and he says, Mr. Moreland, you're headed nowhere fast. He says, if I send you to jail today, this record is going to stay with you for the rest of your life. And so he says, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to allow you to leave my courtroom, but I want you to show back up in two weeks and let me know what you're going to do. So I left that courtroom and in my mind, I'm getting ready to go to jail because I, I don't have anything to tell him. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to party for these last two weeks because I'm getting ready to go to jail for about, you know, five years. So I'm just going to party. This is going to be my going away party and we're just going to party. But as fate would have it, as God would have it, three days before I had to go back to court, I'm walking in the mall in California and a gentleman uh, by the name of Corey Oliver walks up to me and he looks me in the eye and he says, have you ever thought about going to the army? And in that moment, I'm, I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments that you don't fully understand it, but you know that this is something, you know this is a pivotal point right here. And for me, I said to myself while looking at him, 
I knew if I told the judge I was going to go to the army, that would probably be a great idea. And he probably wouldn't send me to jail. So I looked at Corey and I said, yeah, man, come on, let's go. And I'll never forget sometime later, he told me, he says, man, I had walked up and down that mall for two years. I had never put anyone in the army. You was the first person that said yes, because where I grew up, people didn't go to the army. Dudes didn't go to the army. That wasn't our get up. But I realized for me, that was the best choice um, I could make at that time. And so I ended up joining the United States Army. And now growing up, though, to give you some context, growing up, I didn't travel more than 20 miles outside of Compton, California. I was very sheltered. I was my, my viewpoint of life. My perspective of life was very limited. I knew what I knew from, you know, the people who hung around me. But, you know, I wasn't cultured at all or anything like that. And so I joined the military. And so imagine within a four month period, I get on the plane for the very first time. I go to a brand new state for the very first time. And then eventually I go to a whole brand new country for the first time. So for the first 18 years of my life, I've gone nowhere in four months. I'm in a couple of new states because of military training. And now I'm in a whole different country. Now they send me to Germany. So if you can imagine, I'm 8,000 miles away from everything that's normal to me, everything that's comfortable to me. Well, I was 8,000 miles away physically, but mentally I was still in Compton, California. Wow. What does that mean? That meant I was still handling situations as if I was in Compton, California. So unfortunately I get in trouble again. This time I'm almost getting ready to get kicked out of the military. I get into a huge fight with a guy and hurt him pretty bad. And so they're ready to kick me out. But then I have what I call my third disruptor, Command Sergeant Major Babs. He looked at me and he says, let me tell you something, soldier. I read your record. I know where you come from. If I kick you out and send you back to Compton, what's going to happen to you? You're going to end up in jail. You're going to end up dead. This is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to allow you to come work for me. I'm going to take you out of that unit and allow you to work right next to me. And I'm going to mentor you. And that's exactly what he did. And this started my journey of personal development. This started my journey of uh, pursuing my education because he asked me a very pointed question. He says, Will, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in five years? Now, David, nobody had ever asked me that because up until this time, everybody has said, listen, you're probably going to be dead by the time you're 20. You're probably, if you're not dead, you're probably going to be in jail. My father was a big time drug dealer. So they said, you're probably going to end up like your dad. And uh, they were almost right because faith come by hearing. And so if you hear something negative, whether it's negative or positive, you're going to live up to it. That's going to become your reality. But fortunately, God had a different plan for me. And so when he asked me, uh, where do you see yourself in five years? I said, Sergeant Major, I don't, I don't know. He said, I want you to go home this weekend. And on Monday, I want you to tell me where you see yourself. I came back. I said, well, one thing is I want to be the best soldier I can be. The second thing is I want to get back into college. I want to get my degree. He says, I can help you. If you're serious, I can help you with those two things. And sure enough, he helped me. He put some great leaders around me, mentors. And then he helped me get en enrolled in college. And I was able to get uh, enrolled in college. 
And then my fourth disruptor was a lady by the name of Miss Copeland. Um, I'm in speech class and Miss Copeland, she sees this gift. She says, man, you're a natural speaker. She hands me this book by Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. Mm -hmm. And she says, I want you to read this book and I want you to read it over and over. It's going to bless you. And uh, sure enough, she, she gives me this book. I start to read this book. And for the first time, I'm exposed to all these brilliant minds, all these black Americans that were doing phenomenal things. Up until that time, I only knew entertainers and I only knew athletes, right? I didn't know about a Reginald F. Lewis. I didn't know about a Herman uh, Russell out of Atlanta. I, I, didn't, I didn't know um, about uh, 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 the founder of uh, Black Enterprise, Mag Graves, Earl G. Graves. I, di I didn't know about any of these individuals. I didn't know that you could use your mind and to create wealth. I thought either you had to be an entertainer or you had to use your body, you had to do something physical. I didn't know you could use your mind to develop wealth and build wealth. And I read that book and that began to be the genesis of me believing bigger for myself, for me seeing myself in a whole different light. I ceased to be a former gangbanger. I ceased to be a former drug dealer. I now saw myself in a new light. I now realized that, wait a minute, I could really do something. And at that time, I thought it was going to be uh, staying in the military, maybe retiring from the military. Uh, but the more I started getting into that personal development, I just fell in love with it. And that's how... We get here today. I get to be with the amazing David Simons. And so my journey has been blessed, man. Wow. Wow. What tremendous. I mean, this it, it, is like literally at every cross point in your life. That's like, let me put this person in your path to kind of like guide you. I, I, I believe that uh, when when God wants to um, bless your life, he sends a person when the devil wants to. Uh, disrupt your life he sends a person so it's like it's like you were getting these people that God was just sending into your life to guide you and um so that brings me to like you, you kind of said Miss Copeland kind of broke it down she saw something in you instantly um so was that the first moment you realized your gift for speaking and and, and, I'm, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth because you might also feel like your gift is multi, multi, multifaceted, maybe something else, but what, so two questions. Was that moment the first time you recognized your gifting or or illuminated to the idea of gifting? And two, what is your gifting from your perspective? Two great questions. So when I begin to, and I've had some time to sit with this now over the years, when I begin to look over my life and I wrote this book called Genius Potential, and it's all around this philosophy that each and every one of us, to your point, has this gift, has this talent, has this uniqueness. And so as I begin to look over my life, speaking is something that's always been there. But where I grew up, we didn't have any debate team at my school. We didn't have any debate team at my high school. And so what happens to many people, especially uh, in America where I am, uh, we get put in this system and inside this educational system, there's maybe like, you know, 10 to 15 routes you can take, right? Lawyer, doctor, engineer, police officer, teacher. Um, and if you don't fit into there, 
then you kind of struggle inside the educational system because you're going to be a kid like me. I don't care about this stuff. I'm not motivated by this stuff. This stuff doesn't interest me. And so as I look back and I begin to look at my report cards and I begin to look at my journey, all of my report cards said the same thing. Will is an outstanding student. He's operating above grade level. We just have one thing that's wrong with him. He's always disrupting the class. He's always talking. He's always talking, right? And so I would always get, my mom would always get called up to the school and say, other than the talking, he's a phenomenal student. If we could just get him to be quiet. So I didn't realize, and my mom didn't realize that that was my genius. See, if I was playing basketball, if I was playing the piano, everybody would recognize, oh, he's a child prodigy. Oh, he's playing, he's he's playing the flute. Oh, he's playing the organ. He's a child prodigy. He's a genius. They would call me. He's a boy genius, right? Um, but because what I was doing didn't fit into this concept of what they call success, then I would get punished like many people. And so I had to endure going through school, going through all of these things. But as I look back, speaking has always been there. My mom would tell me when we would come home from church, I would always mimic the preachers. I'd be in the backyard with my with my air mic, you know, you know, mimicking. So I, I always had this concept when we would have to do the Easter plays. I was the one that was always given the longest speech because I wasn't afraid to be in front of people. And I had this great recall. I had a great memory. And so as I look back, it's always it's always been speaking. But I didn't know that just like you could be a lawyer, a doctor, a teacher, a police officer, that you could be a professional speaker, that you could be a consultant. So I didn't know it existed. So unfortunately, um, I didn't I didn't get into professional speaking until I was 35 years old because I didn't even know that it was a thing. Like I would listen to people like uh, Les Brown, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rome, Dennis Waitley, uh, Tony Rock. And I thought it was just like 10 people in the world that got to do that. And I was like, that was pretty cool. Like they get I like I didn't know you could say. I want to be a professional speaker and it was this whole industry. So I didn't jump into actual public speaking until I was 35 years old. Wow. That's fascinating, right? Cause wow. Like, like you, you learn about your gifting and, and you're still probably all obviously using it all that time from, from the military to the, to the age 35, but it's kind of like, man, like if I would have known, you know, you would have tapped into it on a whole nother level beforehand, right? Oh, like exactly. So once again, I go back to if if I was in an environment where um, the school maybe had a debate team or um, they had a political science department, you know, um, someone would identify it and said, "Oh, okay, he has." You know, back in when I was growing up, they just, "Oh, he got the gift of gab. He got the gift of gab. He quick with it. He quick with it." Right. That was the environment I was in. Oh, little shorty, he he know how to talk. He know how to talk. No one was cultivating it. No one was nurturing it. No one took me under the arm and said, oh, man, you're going to be able to be a great orator. You're going to be able to be a great communicator. You can you can be, you know, the next Les Brown. You could be the next, you know, uh, Tony Robbins. I didn't know that whole world existed. So you're exactly right, because we see now we have proof. You look at the Williams sisters in tennis because they were able to start at a young age. By the time they were teenagers, they had already played for 10 years. And so we know 
my man Malcolm Gladwell, he says, what? You do something for 10 years, 10,000 hours, you become prominent. We look at Tiger Woods. When did he start playing golf? Anybody, you see them start at a young age, and by the time they're teenagers, they've been doing this for 10, 15 years. That's why they become professional so early. So to your point, if I would have known debate and oratory and all of this was available, yeah, by the time I'm 20, by the time I'm 22, I had been doing it for years. I would have been, you know. Wow. You know, and it's 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 crazy. You know, we're talking about this because one of the burdens on my heart, um, why I even created the show is to help young people to discover their gifts early. And um, and I, I, I think about it like our school systems. And I know you deal with a lot of school systems and governmental systems. If you think about it. There's no class, no program, nothing that tells people about how do you find your gift? Like, what is your gifting and how do you find? And one of the most important things about a person we never learn about, you know, in school or, or the systems that are, are out there. So, so yeah, you, you struggled, nerve, struggled nerve with me there because uh, I, I think it's really, it's really essential. And I can't wait for uh, to read your book, Genius Potential, and, and encourage our listeners to get your book, Genius Potential. We'll, we'll plug that in later wherever they can get that. But uh, I want to kind of take through the process, right, of of this development, Dr. Will, because now you 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 understand. We fast forward. You understand. Okay, I'm going to jump into this professional speaking realm. I'm going to use this gifting that I've always had to speak and to inspire. What went into this next phase? Once you were like, you know what, this is it. I'm gonna I'm gonna dive in. Yeah. So. So I was in the military. I get very passionate about personal development. Um, I'm talking to my soldiers now about personal development. We used to have this thing back when I was in the military called Sergeant's Time Training. And I'll never forget, it was on Thursday morning. And this was a time where we were supposed to be developing the young soldiers in the ways of the military. But I went to my leaders and I said, listen, I'm, I'm reading this material exactly about what you said. How do you discover your gift? And how do you discover what you're passionate about in life? And I said, these soldiers that I'm leading, they don't even know who they are. Would you allow me 20 minutes on, on Thursday through Sergeant's Time Training just to talk to them about discovering and about exploring who they are outside of being a soldier? And as you know, um, life would have it, they agreed and they let me do it. And so this kind of started that spark. I was in front of a crowd. It was only like 30 of them, but I was in front of them. And every Thursday they would give me this hot 20 minutes. They would give me this hot 20 minutes to go in front of these soldiers and talk about personal development. So now I got this bug. I don't know what it's going to look like, but now I know that I'm not going to stay in the military. I got to go do this. Whatever this is, I got to go be able to teach people this personal development and leadership development stuff. So I leave the military. Simultaneously, I leave the military. I'm going to start my company. And at the same time, I become a pastor. So now as I become a pastor, um, I'm speaking every, obviously I'm speaking every week now. So now I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a uh, front of an audience every week. But once again, I'm not thinking about the professional speaking world, you know, you know, I'm, I'm just focusing on being a pastor. But then about eight years into being a pastor, um, I had this aha kind of moment where 
I woke up one morning, I was looking in the mirror and I knew who I was looking at. Obviously it was me, but I didn't know who I was. And what I meant by that is I knew all the titles. I'm, I'm pastor to some people. I'm doctor to some people. I'm a leadership expert to some people. I'm a husband. I'm a father. But I really intrinsically didn't know who I was. And I realized that up until this time, I was living someone else's idea. You know how people say, man, David, you would be a good this or you would be a good that. Man, I see you doing this. So I realized that I was living someone else's idea of what my life should be. And so at that moment, um, I made the decision. I said, I'm going to step down and I'm going to take some time off to figure out who I really am because I grew up in Compton. And so growing up in Compton, that gave me a particular image, grew up in the church world. That gave me a particular image. I was in the military. That gave me a particular image, but I really didn't know who I really was. I didn't know, do, do I really like hip hop or do I only like it because I grew up next to Ice Cube and I grew up next to uh, Dr. Dre and I grew up next to Easy e Do I really like fried chicken or do I only like it because my grandmother made it every Sunday, right? Or maybe I like escargot, but I don't know because I've never tried it. Maybe I like squid, I don't know because I've never tried it. Do I like horseback riding? I don't know because they said black people don't go horseback riding. Maybe I like jet skiing, but what did they say? Black people don't go jet skiing. Maybe I like camping, but I don't know because they say black people don't go out there. So I didn't know identity-wise who I was. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take this time and I'm going to go discover who I am. So David, for about a year, year and a half, I went on what I now call um, a clarity journey. And I tried everything. I went skiing. I went camping. I went uh, jet skiing. I went uh, to NASCAR. I went and did all these. Right. I went and did all these things because I wanted to. If David asked me, hey, what's your favorite music? I wanted to honestly be able to say, you know what? I enjoy hip hop. I enjoy jazz. I love some opera. But at that point, I only would have said Man, hip hop for me. That's the only thing I listen. I was very limited. So after after this after this time, I go on this clarity journey, and now I clearly understand what I want to do, what my mission, what my assignment is in life, and it was to start a company and do what I'm doing now. And so I I stepped down from being a pastor, and uh, we're living in Germany. We have been living in Germany for 15 years, and now we decide to move to Phoenix, Arizona where um, we had never been before. We had had no connections, but I just felt in my heart that this was the place for me to be, that this was going to be my land of milk and honey. This was going to be where things were really going to take off for me. And yeah. sure enough, we get down here to, we get down here to uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And you know, um, they always say, if you want to make God laugh, show him your plans, right? Yeah. If you want to make God laugh, show him your plans. So I get down here and I have this whole plan, this whole blueprint of how I'm going to build my company and all that type of stuff, not realizing that America just came off the recession and they were just rebuilding and all that kind of stuff. I didn't take any of that into accountability. We just moved, right? <laughs> so um, I get here in Arizona. I'm here for about a year, year and a half, and things are not going as planned. I'm struggling with the company and I go to I go to lunch with a buddy of mine 
and I'm complaining to him and I'm saying, man, I, I think I missed God. Maybe I made a misstep. Maybe I should have stayed in Germany. Maybe I should stay pastor and all that kind of stuff. He says, Will, you should get into professional speaking. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, now at this time, people had asked me to come and speak and things like that. But at that time, they'd give me like a $25 gift card, give me a pat on the back and be like, God bless you, that blessed us. And, you know, and, and I'm looking at him and I'm like, man, I know you just heard me tell you that I'm looking at my, my banking account and it's dwindling and you're talking about being a speaker. And in my mind, speaking meant getting a little gift card. So he pulls out this check. I'll never forget. He pulls out this check for $3,500. And he says, I just got paid this for speaking one hour. So now I sit up. I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on. You got my picture now. Wait a minute. $3,500. What? You got paid $3,500 for one hour? And I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, man, I used to pastor. I would speak an hour every time. I wasn't getting $3,500, right? Mm -hmm. And he says, as a matter of fact, there's a conference happening next week and um, you should come. And if the conference was in California, so it wasn't that far, but he said, there's a conference for speakers next month. You should come. So I debated, I debated. I said, okay, I'll go. I went, I go there. It's like 2000, 2000 speakers there. I'm now nervous. I'm like, wait a minute. There's no spot for me. This is saturated. And everybody I talk to, I'm like, what do you speak about? Leadership. What do you say? Leadership. So I'm like, now everybody talks about my subject. Everybody's mm -hmm. doing what I'm doing. There's no space for me. But the conference was so good that it convinced me that this was a space I needed to be in. So mm. I come back home and I say, this is it. I'm, I'm going to, as I'm building my consultant company, I'm going to focus on the speaking part. And uh, that was um, 11 years ago, man, 11 years ago. And I started focusing on speaking. And here's what I offer this. What I realized was I was able to take all of those from pastoring, from being in the military, um, from running my business, I was able to take all those aspects and put them into my speaking business. And that's what really allowed us to really take off and launch. Because what I realized for a lot of speakers was they were passionate about speaking and, um, but they didn't know how to run a business. I had mm -hmm. ran a business. And so I had run a church, I had run a business. So I knew about marketing. I knew about sales. I knew about most speakers were just passionate. I just wanted, I got a message. I got a message. I got a message. But right. man, if nobody knows about you, if nobody knows you exist, you can have the best pie in the world. But if nobody knows about you, they can't hire you. That's and right. so I implemented all of these business practices inside of my speaking. And so literally I was marketing my speaking business. I wasn't just talking about, I was marketing my speaking business and that's what really put us on the radar. And so the last decade or so, we've been blessed to, you know, literally go all around the world, be named one of the top 30 motivational speakers in the world. And um, God has really just been uh, blessing us and positioning us to, to have this type of influence uh, in the world. And we're just grateful, man. We're just really grateful. Wow. What a, what a journey. So it's like, it's, all of it was, you know, I believe God is sustainable. He, he doesn't waste anything, right? Wow. Like everything gets used up. So all that, all the stuff from, from Compton to the military, to the pastoring, it's, it's served in your speaking. And I'm sure it, it also gives you a message that can't, not everybody can, can duplicate. Nobody can duplicate your message, right? Like it's your message. It's your, it's your style. It's your tone. It's the principles that you gather in leadership, 
um, come from a variety of spaces and, and they're proven in a variety of spaces. So it, it, know, it really I, I always joke and I tell people I can be in Compton one, in one day and be in the White House in the next day, right? Because I have just such a wide, broad sense mm. of things. Then my message can go um, international because I've lived in so many places, visited so many places. And you're absolutely yeah. right. I tell people this all the time. Everything that you went through, been through, experienced is all working for your good. And mm. you're, you know, if you feel as though that you've just had this tumultuous life, I want you to realize that that's God just letting you know what your reach is going to be. Because wow. to be successful in this, you got to be relatable. So the mm. more things that you've been through, the more things you're going to be able to relate to. And the more things you're able to relate to, the more people you can be relatable to. And mm. so there's some people, and this is not, you know, there's some people, if you started here, then you're not going to really be able to understand anybody who lived down here. Right. So right. because I started at the bottom, it's just not a song for me. Right. <laughs> I started at the bottom. I went through every trajectory. So I mm -hmm. know what it feels like to be on government assistance. I know what it feels like to have government cheese. But then I also know what it feels like to be in Dubai in one of the top hotels in the world. And so with that vastness, I'm able to go back to the inner city and tell them, man, you can be bigger. You can dream bigger. But then I can also be able to relate to those that are in the White House and say, hey, we need to pay attention to some things right here. Everybody down here is not bad. They're not uh, um, criminals. They're not where they wouldn't have been able to make that connection because they're mm -hmm. looking at it from the outside. Wow. Profound. It's like you were strategically positioned. All of it was strategically positioned for your assignment, right? To, to, to do the work that you do. Man. And, and let, me, let me say this real yeah. quick because this will... Um, this will resonate with you. My first time going to Ghana, um, a, a gentleman reached out to me and he asked me to come over. And um, I had never been in that region, but I just felt, you know, and that was back during the time when uh, people were sending out, you know, those those fake emails and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and so, but he sends me this email and he asked me to come over and I prayed about it and I just felt his sincerity, felt that he was genuine. And um, um, he absolutely was. But I went over there and we're talking and I'm asking him about his vision and I'm asking him about what he wanted to do. And his vision was to build a leadership academy. And I said, and he was a little bit older than me. And I said, God, how awesome are you? I didn't even know Ghana existed when I was growing up, right? And here this man is, has this vision of building this leadership academy and when he told me he had this vision, I remember doing the math at the time I, I would have been five years old. And I said, God, look how amazing you are. I'm five years old, not even thinking about Ghana, not even, but you're preparing me for when I get this email. Because a lot of people, watch this, a lot of people, when I told them I was going to Ghana, they were nervous. My staff, they were like, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to Ghana by yourself, right? But here's, here's the thing. Because I grew up in Compton, I have like this fearlessness, right? Like, man, God ain't got nothing for now. I was very naive, but but my mind was like, you know, uh, I'm not afraid to go. And then my wife, she tells me, she's like, wait a minute, they're right. Because I remember in the staff meeting, they're like, Doc, you're going to Ghana by yourself? And my wife is like, 
yeah, no, you can't go by yourself. I'm going to go with you. Like she was going to make the difference, like it's a matter, right? But, but, but anyway, I, I say that to say you never know, you know, what what your training looks like, right? Mm. You never know what. And so I always tell people that everything you go through, it's like Jesus, by his stripes, we're healed. So mm-hmm. everything that we go through is not for us. It's for somebody else. And so when I begin to realize that my upbringing, I was able to go into these regions and not look down on them because I've been living on the cot. I know what it lived to live. Even though I was born in America, I, I've experienced that. And so when you, you, you're you from there, so you know, um, yeah. it's not always the most accommodating um, right. uh, uh, conditions, but I yeah. was okay with that. So I wasn't all high and mighty like, oh, oh, you don't have me in the Rich Carlton? <laughs> other people, they wouldn't have been able to do that. Wait a minute. The air condition went out. Oh, wait a minute. We don't have no fans. Mm. Oh, man, this is this is like back home, man. This is like when we did our electric bill, like everything went off. I've been there, done that. And so, yeah, I can look now at everything I've been through as just training for me to now be able to go to 50 plus different countries, live in five different countries, man, and uh, do the work that we do now. Beautiful, beautiful. So I, I kind of want to take a, a peek behind the scenes, right? Because yeah. uh, a lot of times, you know, because you're you're this world renowned speaker, and some people, some people think, oh, you just you just got there, happens that like there's a lot of strategic, yeah. there's a lot yeah. of work, there's a lot of development, there's a lot of books read, conferences you go go to, NSA, like there's so much so much like kind of like the the glacier right right when you see the glacier and you just see the tip of the iceberg you don't see all the, the stuff underneath yeah. right and i feel like that's that's what happens for a lot of times when when people hear that they're a professional speaker like yourself they don't realize the development that goes into becoming who you've had though you have the gift that's that's one aspect but you can have a gift and not develop your gift and still you know what i mean so could you speak to the development like that it has taken to build not only your speaking uh your your speaking business as a speaker but your your businesses and and the development you you've had to pour into yourself yeah definitely so you know i'm i'm going to assume that everybody that's listening to us whatever you do you're in your zone of genius you're in you're in your thing right so that's your natural ability. That's your natural gifting. And I always like to use athletes as an example. And hopefully we don't use, lose anybody with this example. If you're not a sports fan, just bear with me. But I look at speaking and that is, you asked me earlier, do I believe that's my gift? That is my gifting. That's my uniqueness. It is communication and speaking. But mm-hmm. I look at speaking, if you correlate it to an athlete, and let's just use LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, that basketball, the ability, that skill set, the ability to play basketball, we knew they were naturally gifted. But to go to the next level, what are the stories that we always hear about them? First one in the gym, last one out. Whenever you hear anybody talking about these three individuals, oh man, let me talk about, let me tell you about the tenacity, how they study film. So the same thing for me when it comes to speaking, the microphone for me is my basketball. Mm -hmm. And the way I look at it is just the way basketball was able to change their lives and change their family lives. That's how I looked at that. Uh, that's how I looked at the microphone. I said, wait a minute. If I learn how to communicate at a high level, if I can move a crowd, excite a crowd, get a crowd to uh, do a particular uh, um, result, 
that I could be one of the best of the best. So when I look at the microphone, in my mind, I'm just like a heart surgeon. Like I believe that I do life transplants, just like a heart surgeon does heart transplants. Mm -hmm. So if someone's listening to me and they're defeated and they're down and they're frustrated and they don't think they can win in life. I believe that the words that are coming out of my mouth because life and death are in the power of the tongue. I believe that I can craft a message for this audience that it's going to make this audience move. So every time I'm in front of an audience, we have this program that we call Master the Mic where I'm, I'm trying to master the mic. So I'm trying to put stories together because every audience is not the same. So if I'm talking to a group of women, I'm not going to use sports analogies. If I'm talking to a group of men, I'm not going to uh, uh, talk so much about the family side of it. I'm going to I'm going to speak about things that's going to resonate with them. So that's all in that preparation. Right. And so when you look at a LeBron and a Kobe and a, a, a Jordan, you saw the dedication, you saw the determination, but you saw the preparation as well. And so even though I've done over 2000 keynotes, even though I know the content, it's just like LeBron saying, man, I played 100 games already. I don't need to go to practice. No, he's still at practice. But then there's other components for me to be at practice. I got to make sure I'm taking care of my body. Mm -hmm. So he invests a million dollars in his body. So the same thing for me. I'm out exercising every single morning. I'm protected. You see, I've been on here with you. I'm drinking hot tea because I'm mm -hmm. talking. I want to protect my voice. I got two other interviews mm -hmm. I got to do. So I'm protecting my asset. This is my asset. If this goes away, mm -hmm. everything, you know. And so mm -hmm. this is the mindset that you have to have if you're going to play at the highest level. And so when you're looking, everybody on the basketball team is not going to be a starter. Everybody that's a starter is not going to be an all-star. Everybody that's an all-star is not going to be a Hall of Famer. So you got to ask yourself, well, who really gets to become a Hall of Famer? Well, number one, consistency. And when we say consistency, you got to hit it every time. So when you start looking at the numbers, LeBron has averaged 25 every, every year. Jordan averaged 25 plus every year. Kobe, so it's not about you just having one good game. Not one good game is not going to do it. Oh, man, I killed him today. But no, you got to kill him tomorrow and the next day and the next game and the next game. And that's how I feel about the mic. It's, it's not one standing ovation is not good enough. Mm. I, I want this crap. I, and mm. so I remember Kobe saying this. They said, Kobe, you don't take any nights off. You don't. He says, I'm thinking about that father who took his last money to buy a ticket to bring his son to the game, how dare I take a night off? Because that kid never got to see me play live. That's who I'm playing for. And that's what I, I feel about the mic. When I get on stage, this crowd has never heard me before. There's somebody in this crowd that when they leave here, they may think it's all over. There's somebody sitting here that said, you know what, I'm gonna listen to this guy, but after this, I'm about to go end it all. I have no reason to live. And so every time I get on the stage, I'm thinking about that, whether it's one person in the audience or whether there's 10,000 people in the audience. They may have never heard Dr. Will. And it's my assignment. God has sent me here, placed me here, given me the opportunity to be in front of them. To give them a life transplant. And this has happened so many times that once I get finished speaking, I come down and people tell me, man, I was at my wits end. I was getting ready to give up. But you gave me hope. You gave me faith. 
You gave me a reason to keep going. I have people that listened to me 10, 15 years ago that come up to me and say, I heard you. I had a, I had a lady, let me share this story. I had a lady, I spoke for her company. Four years later, I'm doing a commencement speech. The lady comes to me after the commencement speech. She was one of the graduates. She comes up to me. She's like, you're not going to remember me, but you spoke at our company four years ago. And you told us we had the power of choice, that we weren't stuck. And she says, at that time, you were, you were talking to a mother of five, a single mother of five. But you convinced me that I wasn't just a single mother of five. You convinced me that I could be more, do more, and become more. She says, I just graduated today, and I want you to meet my seven children. And they have a better mom because of that message that you presented at my company four years ago. That's the, the stories that I keep in my mind every time I get up. And so it's not just another gig for me. It's not, oh, I, I got another. No, no, no. Everyone is individual. Every assignment is individual. And I'm on a mission to make sure I fulfill that assignment for that particular group. Wow. I am so blown away by that. Like I've never, I've, I've, I, I'm around a lot of speakers. Um, I hear a lot of speaker stories. I've never heard that before. That's so profound. Like you literally look at your life as a vessel at, and your, your speaking is like this instrument God is using to, to impact people. And you take it very like, like you're, like you're taking your combat and military kind of background and like, it's my mission. you know what I mean? Like, like you literally treat it like this is, I'm on this a is battleground and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta be used. I gotta go save, save the person that's in, in whatever no. village no, or so whatever. Jeanette. No soldier left behind, man. No ah. soldier left behind. And you're exactly right. I'm, I'm on a mission and I, I believe it's more, you know, when we talk about discovering our gift, um, it's more than a job to me. Um, mm. it, it's, it's, it's really my assignment. When I asked God what my assignment was and I honestly asked him, I said, God, I don't know what you actually want me to do in life, mm. but whatever that is, I want to be able to do it at a high level. And I want to be the best of the best in doing it. And, mm -hmm. and when he began to tell me, this is your assignment, he says, I want you to literally go around and let people know that they can live in victory every day. That's mm -hmm. my assignment, to let people know they can live in victory every day. And David, I share this with you because you're on assignment as well. Yeah. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, to save the world. But I believe that's true for all of us. For God so loved the world that he gave the world David to teach them digital marketing, to help influencers get their message out there and help businesses earn more so they can do more, so they can provide better for their family. That's the assignment that you're on. For God so loved the world that he gave the world his only begotten son, Will, so Will can teach them how to live in victory every day. And so just as passionate as Jesus was about being the savior of the world, I know you're passionate about helping business owners and entrepreneurs. And it's the same way I'm passionate about helping individuals transform their life so they can live in victory every day. Wow, so profound! Goodness, goodness, Doctor Will, you 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 really illuminated some things, and I know the listeners are feeling that same same spirit. Um, 
I want to respect your time. I do have two questions. Is that okay? Yeah, that's right, man. I'm making okay. sure. <laughs> okay. Um, I I would love to hear because you're a business mind, right? So so talk to me about the business side of things and uh, what you do in the business. I know we haven't got to talk about DNI and all those things and the consultancy and how you help corporations. So just for for listeners, if if there's an you know. Maybe your target market is listening to this. Somebody, a corporation potentially could be listening to this. Talk to us about the business side of what you do and how you're using your gift. Um, we know you're, you're you're in your assignment, divine assignment, helping other people and doing all these great things. But with that assignment, there comes a reward and that financial reward. And 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 so if you could talk to us a little about, about the business and the businesses Thank that you, you do. When you think about the business, once again, when I said earlier, one of the things I realized that a lot of speakers, um, they weren't having success, not because they weren't passionate, not because they weren't good, not because they didn't have a, uh, a great message. It was because they didn't run and operate a business. And so when we talk about business, the same business principles, right? You gotta have sales, you gotta have marketing, um, you have to have lead generation and things like that. And so a big part of my success was that marketing arm. Um, I'm really good at marketing and positioning. And so um, we have an academy as well where we help other speakers do all of this stuff. And so to make it, you know, to make it simplified, going back to my military days um, in the military, we use a lot of acronyms. Right. So in in speaking, I train our students. and I use a lot of acronyms. One of the acronyms that we use is the PAM formula, P-A-M, PAM formula. So quickly for all of you speakers, authors, leaders, influencers out there, you wanna get your message out to the market, you gotta get good with the PAM formula. So the P stands for positioning. What's your market positioning? Because your market positioning is gonna help with the market perception. So just as a speaker, let's just say you wanna earn 5,000, 10,000, $25,000 a speech, you have to have the right positioning because that positioning is going to help with your perception because the only way a company's going to pay you 10, 15, $20,000 is they have a particular perception about you. They feel as though you're the go-to person. They feel as though you're an expert. So if your marketing is not speaking to your expertise, if your marketing is not saying that you're the best of the best, that you're the best thing since sliced bread, then your positioning and your perception are not going to be in alignment. So that's number one. We help our speakers get their positioning right. So that could be, you know, we use words like your avatar. So what is your avatar and and what who's your ideal client? So you can market directly to your ideal client. The second thing is the A, that's your advantage. What's your competitive advantage? So as a speaker, what we try to uh, help our speakers do is get that identi identity that's going to separate them. So to your point earlier, so I'm from Compton. I was in the military. Um, I lived in Europe for 15 years. I've lived in five different countries. I've been to, so if I'm sizing myself up against David, I'm trying to find what's different between me and David, right? So on the surface, we're both African-American man, we both have glasses, we both have a short haircut, right? That, you know, now the, the company doesn't know who to pick because they look the same. It's a, it's a coin flip now. Right. So how can I position myself and market myself with my advantage? So if I'm going against him, let's see. Okay, I'm going to say I'm a veteran. So not only am I a speaker, but I'm a veteran. 
So now that company, well, you know what? We would love to work with a veteran. He served the country. That's my competitive advantage. Right. Right. You're from Ghana. That could be your competitive. Oh, wait a minute. He's going to have a different perspective because he, he has parents who came from Ghana. That's your competitive advantage. So maybe that's what we market. So we work with our clients to really look at what's your competitive advantage. And then the M stands for marketing and marketing is just that continuous messaging that you're putting out to the marketplace about how good you are, about the services you provide, about the result that you can provide for them. And so we get them and teach them the PAM formula and that helps them and structures them. And then the last thing, very quickly, we have another formula that we call genius business. So everybody, I want everybody to have a genius business. Genius is another acronym that stands for gratitude. So we want you to have a business that you're grateful for, that you wake up in the morning, every single morning, and you're filled with gratitude. The next one is the E. We want your business to excite you. We want you to be excited on your way to work. The next N is net profiting, right? That's the purpose of business is to earn a profit. So we want you to make sure that you're getting after those RGAs, which are revenue generating activities, not just doing all the fun, cute, pretty stuff, posting on social media. How did that get you paid? We want you to be net property. Then the I in genius stands for innovative. We want you to be innovative. So we, we connect you with people like David and his company because we want you to be innovative. We want you to know how to use AI. We want you to know how to use systems inside your business. So then the U is for unique. Your business should be uniquely yours. So we teach people how to get clear, going back to core, get clear on what type of life you want to live. And then we're gonna build a business that supports that lifestyle. What most people do, David, is they build a business and then they try to fit their life in and then they don't have any time for their life. So we want you to get real clear on what your lifestyle is going to look like and what you want it to look like. And then we build a business to support that. And then the S in genius, it stands for systemized. We want your business to be systemized because that's going to give you the time freedom that you want so you can go out and live the life that you want. So that's a genius business. So with those two paradigms, the PAM formula and the genius formula, we work those two things together and we come up with brilliant businesses. I love that. I love that. So, so Dr. Will, how can either aspiring speakers or corporations or organizations work with you to um, take advantage of the offerings that you have? What, what are some ways they can get plugged in? Okay, so real simple, if you go to any of my social media platforms, I'm at Dr. Will Speaks, D-R-W-I-L-L-S-P-E-A-K-S, Dr. Will Speaks. That's on all social media platforms. That's also my website, drwillspeaks.com. Um, I would love to serve you, would love to support you and your goals and your mission and your visions. Any way we could do that, just go to any one of those platforms, DM me, text me, tweet me, any of that. Just go to drwillspeaks.com or on any social media platform, Dr. Will Speaks. Our books are there, our programs are there, and uh, you can see what we're doing to impact the world and what we're doing to support other organizations, entrepreneurs, and associations do the same as well. Love that. Love that. Awesome. We'll make sure to plug that in. And the final question I always ask, you weren't prepped on this. Yeah. I, I have a feeling your answer is going to be phenomenal. Um, what's the difference between one's gift and one's purpose? One's gift and one's purpose. Yeah. So uh, gifting 
gifting, I believe that that deals with your um, your identity. Your gifting deals with your your identity. Your purpose, I believe, deals with directional, right? So where you're going, what you want to do in life. What's the purpose of you being here? What's the reason God uh, created you? What's the reason why He dropped you in Arizona? Dropped you in Ghana? Dropped you in? UK. Why, why, what's the purpose of that? And then that gifting is really about identification of how you're going to serve on your on your route, on your journey of purpose, where you're going, what you're doing, why you're on that journey. That's what you use your gift for along the way. The people that you're influencing, the people that you're interacting with, they should be impacted by your gifting, that skill, that talent, whatever that is. I call it your genius. That's what I believe, my man. That's the difference between the two. Beautiful. I knew it would be a phenomenal answer. Thank you for that, sir. Um, wow. This has been phenomenal, Dr. Will. Tremendous. I've gotten tremendous value from this from this interview, and I know our listeners are as well. Um, we'll make sure to plug the notes, and, and thank you for blessing the people and sharing your gift with us today. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for all that you're doing, man. You you guys and your company are doing a phenomenal job, man. Keep it up, man. I appreciate you. Thank you for this platform, man. Really do appreciate you, David. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you too, brother. Dear listener, I would like to thank you so much for listening to How I Discover My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. As a token of my appreciation, I would love to give to you my most important piece of work to date and it's called the purpose gift tape it's a motivational mixtape geared towards helping you to identify your gifts which ultimately lead to you discovering your purpose this is a six track album i poured my heart and soul into it includes beautiful beats and amazing spoken word over it and i'd love to give that to you as a free gift as a token of my appreciation for being a part of the community so to get your copy, all you need to do is go to podcast.daviddsimons.com. That's podcast.david, the middle initial D, Simons, S-I-M-O-N-S, dot com, and get yours today. Thank you for being a listener. I'll catch you on the next episode. How I Discover My Gift with David D. Simons is proud to be of the amazing and illustrious Alive Podcast Network.